Looking fairly problematic in hindsight, Allie. Feeling fairly problematic in hindsight, Jonathan. Welcome to A Match Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. And we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. And this week we are actually revisiting one we've both seen because we are on a multiple of five. (laughs) Have you done your homework? (laughs) (laughs) Today we are revisiting the classic Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, uh, slobs versus snobs versus snobs versus slobs comedy, Trading Trading places. Places. Uh, Trading Places uh, was released in 1983. It was directed by noted helicopter parent John Landis. And, <laughs> ooh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, father of a noted, overexposed, terrible, untalented person, Max Landis. Hey, that's right. I'm willing to sink my any potential career by saying this. Max Landis is a hack. Okay. Um, no one is upset about that. Everyone knows it. Um, so, um, Trading Places was a huge hit in 1983. I think it really, uh, it cemented, I think it was, I don't know. I think it might have been Eddie Murphy's first big like role after SNL. Maybe I don't remember when uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Came I think out. I think Beverly Hills Cop came out later. after this. I Beverly Hills right. Cop was the one where it was like, oh, he could even do an action movie. Oh, thing. yeah, like, this yeah. Is, because this is just a straight comedy. True, uh, true that. True you that. know, and it's uh, just part of, and it's just one of the many decent uh, comedies that Dan Aykroyd was involved in before his career drove off a cliff, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere around nothing but trouble. Uh, <laughs> so, um, anyway, I guess let's uh, let's go on with the elevator pitch. Shall we pitch? You want to go first? Oh my God, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I didn't actually, I don't actually have one. I was hoping I could think of one oh, at the last man, minute. So did I. <laughs> we both forgot there was one, like didn't we? Because I, I did until I asked for it. I think it, what I we should do, I think, I think on the ones that we both have seen, we should try to pitch at the exact same time, <laughs> which will be horrible for our listeners. No, no, right? you're just, no, you're just doing that as a way to get out of trouble. Okay, I'll pitch okay, it first. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. We all love rich old racists, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what if for once the rich old racist got a comeuppance because of a clever, a clever rich young white guy who's not very racist except for one scene, <laughs> and uh, and uh, an enterprising young very funny black man? Cool. Let's do it. Okay, now you got a pitch, okay. sucker. Okay, so here's my pitch. Uh, my pitch sucked, but at least it's over. Okay, here's my pitch. That's gonna be so much worse. So we all love we all love English butlers, right? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> See our episode on Overboard with Roddy McDowell. Yes. We all love, yes, exactly. We all love English butlers, right? So I figure we should do a movie that centers around an English butler who has to put up with the fact that he's hired by two old racist white dudes. Rich racist white dudes. Right. Well, they uh, hired a butler. I'm, I'm, right, right, right. I'm not going to assume that they're, you know, salt of the earth coal miners. Right. Um, who then gets uh, thrown into some crazy money scheme and he has to pick up the pieces at the end and he meets and he meets Jamie Lee Curtis who plays a lovely <laughs> wonderful whore with a heart <laughs> and whore with a heart unlike, unlike other whores which have their hearts mechanically removed 
Sex workers don't need circulatory systems. There's they, so much more to this they movie. Breathe, they breathe like grasshoppers through but, spiracles in the side but, of their body. Okay, there's so much more to this movie, but I have to say that like there Denim is... Denim Elliott's Big Adventure. De- De- Honest to God, I want to go back and do like you know, a movie you know, I kind of, I, you know, I, you know I, I, I kind of like to imagine that uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade is where they, they hung an Indiana Jones movie around the adventures of Denim Elliott uh, stumbling oh. around in Egypt. Yes, I love <laughs> that idea because he's so fabulous. Oh, man. This, 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 po- a, this podcast so, is pro-Denim Elliott. He's a treat in this movie and he's a treat all the time but like he really I mean I honestly think the whole movie's great and we'll get to that like spoiler I like this movie but like the, but but on top of it I, I, I think I forgot just how much of a delight Denholm Elliott is in this movie he just right. is such a delight well, he's like, yeah, he's, he's, Denim Elliott's great uh, so anyway okay. yeah I, I guess we should <clears throat> actually get to the, the movie itself which um, I mean it begins um, I guess I guess it begins with Dan Aykroyd just being being like very wealthy and and very finicky and very good at predicting the market. And it's, it's and he's talking in he's talking in an elevated rich guy voice. Yeah, the entire movie. which works really well for him. Yeah, well, I, again, like I've said, Dan Aykroyd has like a Dan Aykroyd has a very like monotonous delivery. I mean, he is he is on the spectrum, yeah. and I think I think it, it's very easy for him to get into kind of a monotone delivery, like when he's talking. Actually, that's uh, he's credited uh, that with being why he's so good with uh, like if you like on old SNL he would do these monologues with all sorts of technical information. Yeah, or like right. in Ghostbusters, yeah. all that stuff that he did with the like when they when uh, all that like nonsense patter about fake ghost high tech stuff that for some reason Dan Aykroyd really believes I think, <laughs> but but all that technology stuff he's like he's really good at like that kind of stuff because that's the kind of stuff that interests him like the weird nuts and bolts stuff. Yeah, and he, so it's funny because he can play those really weird like almost I want to say geeky tech guys. That are very technically, right. you know, sound and know a lot, right. you know, very smart. But he also can play this sort of stuffy upper crust, yeah. um, you know, stick up your ass kind of guy. Which is really which funny. Dr- which is really funny because you know the character of D Day in Animal House was based on him, and he was going to originally play him. Oh, really? Yeah. But he, I mean, but he plays it in this. He plays it in Dragnet. That yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the authority figure that has the sort of stern voice and. You know, on Dragnet, he's actually doing an impression of uh, Joe Friday, well, uh, Jack Webb, doing the right. But Joe there's Friday. still that element of like a, the clipped, like I speak precisely, and oh, I have yes. this sort of like upper yes. crusted, like yeah. It's a, it's it's it, it's not really Mid Atlantic, which is a little different, but it is. It's got that. Some of the people in there have the Mid Atlantic. Oh yeah, some yeah, of them do. Definitely some of the, the muffy, the muffy peeps. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, but it's... Uh, uh, the, I would like to say that the very first thing that happens in this movie that both John and I like sat there and talked to each other about over the montage of the music was. Wait, this takes place in in Philadelphia. Wait, yeah. this is in Philadelphia. Are you sure? I swore it was in New York. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it's it's kind of yeah. <laughs> Which spoiler? There is the, the big scene does happen in New York. Yeah, you know, and I've seen later. I've <laughs> seen the end of this movie probably thirty times, yeah. and like the whole movie in and of itself, I have seen a handful of times, yeah. and all of them a long time ago. Yeah. So I yeah I had completely forgotten this movie took place <laughs> in Philadelphia. So confused. It, it the completely. Whole thing. It, it, it completely uh, confused the hell out of me. It, it was very, it was very interesting. The very beginning of it, Dan Aykroyd's like asleep, and like and Denim Elliott's like you see him making his breakfast yeah. and everything very carefully. And I think the reason Dan Aykroyd could sleep so well is he's normally used to being awakened by ghost blowjobs. It's very hard for him to like you know wake up without some sort of. He needs just a cross-eyed ghost blowjob oh orgasm God. to wake really? up. Really, really, are we going there? Come on, yeah. come on. But anyway, like this movie goes about a good five. Five ten minutes it feels like without jokes. It's like it yeah. was a bold choice to, and I and I'm not I'm not actually saying this sarcastic. No, like, I know this isn't like it was a bold choice to not start the comedy till Eddie Murphy shows up. I actually do think the movie is kind of like the the movie does like a great job of presenting. It's just 
I mean, it, it, there's nothing really inherently funny going on, other than if you're just laughing at like the the prissiness of what's going on in Dan Aykroyd's life. Right. But like, it, like it's very like it, you see him getting prepared, you see him going into work, you see him deciding like what's going to be a good future that day or a good commodity that day. Pardon. And then you meet the the two brothers, the, the two Duke, brothers, the Duke brothers, Reginald and Mortimer Duke. Uh, played by uh, Donamici and Ralph and Bellamy? Ralph Bellamy. Yes, Ralph Bellamy is the one whose name I never remember. Yes. I always remember Donamici, but I, I like Ralph Bellamy. I have a huge and I always remember Ralph Bellamy's last name, but I always forget that it's Ralph. So I'm glad you called. Bellamy that out. is not a name that sounds like Ralph should be the first name I, on it, right? But when it goes together, it feels it feels right. It right. does feel right. Um, but they play. Oh, he's a Chicago-born actor. They play brothers. Uh, he and Donamici, and um, it's they're the. You see the parallels. Like, they they live in... First of all, they live together. I mean, it's like, if you guys have this much money, you all could have your own house. But whatever. It must have been a house passed down from their family is the only thing I can think oh, yeah. of. Oh, yeah. It's, like, it's, it's, very, it's, it's very weird. It's a freaking I, palatial like, mansion. Like, yeah, well, yeah, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, all right. I get it. It's a huge mansion. You don't really have to, like, cross too much paths. But, yeah. look, I love my brother. <laughs> I do. I, I love my brother. You know? Like, you know, we're... You know, we're... we're, we're 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 family. We'll always be family. I can't imagine living for more than three days under the same roof as my brother without like a homicide occurring. Are, are you, I'm not sure. Are you listening to us. this, Jared? I'm sure he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, he's got better things to do. True that. I know my brother's not listening, so it's all good. Allie, what is what is a podcast? What are you doing? What are you doing? What is this? He knows what a podcast is. It's I'm just kidding. we're it's just we're not talking about about personal development, so he's probably not listening. <laughs> well, I think we are in a lot of ways. I agree. I, I feel like in a lot of ways, this podcast is you know, like we're 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 showing by example, not necessarily positive. You know how to lead a richer, fuller life. Watch a bunch of movies and then talk about watch, them. Watch Jim Cotta is what I suggest <laughs> for a richer, fuller life. So yeah, so I agree with you. Like I I don't I, I love my brother, but I, I live next door to my brother. But which is kind of amazing in and of itself. In and of itself, but I will say. Oh yeah, that, we live in a compound. We're members of a cult. Yeah, we forgot right. to tell you that. <laughs> a Jewish compound. <laughs> Wait, isn't that a kibbutz? Yes, it is. It actually is. It is. We live in a kibbutz. Um, <laughs> it does kind of feel that way sometimes. Uh, but no, I'm kidding. Because um, we don't have any farm animals. But. Uh, uh, <laughs> really, that's why we. That's the only thing separating us from a kibbutz is we don't have any farm animals. Yes. For one thing, Sparky could easily pull a very tiny plow. This is tiniest of plows, <laughs> little wheelbarrow. She's she's using her hand to show this because this podcasts aren't inherently visible visually. Um, so yeah, you can t- can you tell by the by the by the stalling that maybe we might have waited a little too long since watching it to do the recording. Oh, we're fine. I remember the, I remember the movie. I, I know you do, that. but I, I'm just trying to get like I'm actually uh, like I'm like I'm I'm letting you just go on and on uh, like so that I can actually figure out what my handwriting was. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, like I I will say like one of the very early things is moving when when he's looking through the paper. Yeah. Is we actually get to see an, oh, yeah. a, the a, an Apple ad for like like choosing between the 2C and the 2E yeah. and I was like, "Oh like, my god, this is, this is pre-Macintosh. There wasn't even a Macintosh no. yet at this no. point." It was an Apple oh, TV. Oh my god, uh, it was beautiful. Um, and this movie does have quite a bit of those glorious black screens with green letters. Yes, my favorites. Oh man, I I, I need Logan. to find a way. I need to... just kidding. Oh my god, <laughs> you're Logan Lucky. I don't murder you. So, Lo- so watch whatever episode it was that we had a five minute argument about about what the title of Logan. Watch it, was. or should they listen to it? They should stare at their at their podcast device. Look at our beautiful wedding photo. <laughs> 
<laughs> superimposed over a blue version of the book from Back to the Future. Spoiler if you never got why we call it Match Made in Space. I think it would be pretty hard not to yeah, get at it. At this point, right? Like, you'd have to be, like, also we've explained it at least three we times. We think we have, yeah, it's true. That's not true. I have no many times. I just said at least three, like, with confidence. Yeah, you know, that's, what, that's how you lie. That's how you lie. That's good, yes. Um... So Apple ads. So the, so what ends up happening is that the 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 the, uh, the Dukes get in the car uh, in their limo and they're being driven. And as they're being driven, uh, Dan Aykroyd's already at work and he's looking at the futures of pork bellies. And he basically is wait. He's going to give them the heads up about when they should you know sell or buy. Um, and I don't remember which one they're doing at this point if they're selling or buying, but it doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't matter. The point is that he has an inkling. He has he actually gets up in the morning, and one of the first lines in the movie that Dan Aykroyd actually speaks over the sort of the music montage when Denholm Elliott finishes making him his breakfast is he essentially says, um, "I you know I I have a hunch there's something something big is going to happen with pork bellies this morning or something like yeah, that." Yeah, yeah. He like already walks in with this feeling, so you can tell that he's got a good instinct for this business. He knows what he's doing. Right. He's dealing in commodities, he's dealing with futures, and he 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 obviously does really well. He lives in this beautiful home, which I think it's a brownstone. Yeah, it's like it's but it's, but, it, but it's a brownstone, but it's in Philadelphia. You yeah, know, like yeah, I always think of brownstones as a New York thing. But it's but, like yeah. very. You it's know, a very yeah. It's a very really like you know, multi-story. Yeah, you know, beautiful. Home. Like, yeah. So he he ends up at work and he calls the Dukes on the car phone, which oh right. my god, a car phone. In the Actually, movies. yeah. In 1983, this yeah. was a big, big deal. deal. So and that not only does he call them on the car phone, but in their this is how rich they are in their limo. They they have the. The, the, the computers, yeah, the computer the with stocks. the stock tickers. They can see and the stock ticker going on on their on their computers in the car, which just basically right. goes. And to basically, show he's you. like, yeah, like he's telling them, like you know, like when to sell or when yeah. to buy or whatever it was. And, and, and one, like, and they're kind of like arguing a little bit. Like it's bit. not going to go. Yeah. yeah, and and the and the brothers have been having an argument almost from the beginning of the movie about nature versus nurture. Yes, because one of them's reading the paper. He read a whole, like... Ralph Bellamy's character. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, Ralph Bellamy is Randolph. It's, oh, it's Ran- I said Reginald. It's Randolph. It's Randolph, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know where I got... I, I, I don't know where I got Reginald from. Um, but uh, Ralph Bellamy uh, is arguing that, uh, you know, anyone could do, like, it. that, that it, 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 it's it's not the quality of the person. It's, like, the environment they're put into. Right. Um, and whereas Don Amici's character uh, Mortimer is arguing that it's it's breeding, breeding. it's, it's yes. like Your that DNA. like that basically uh, a man born uh, from a good family is going to be successful regardless, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and I, I would say for for the first like third of the movie at least, I would say that uh, that Randolph comes off as sympathetic. Yes, I would too. Actually, like like the movie kind of has like a little like a, kind of a stealth thing with him because he's you know he's basically saying it's tragic the way these. You know these poor people just not being given a chance. They could easily do, you know, like what, you know, where, you know, whereas Mortimer's like, no, they're, you know, they, these poor people are poor because, you know, like they they come from bad blood. They're right. Never, they're they'll never be they'll never run anything. They'll never arrive. We're successful because we come from good blood, right? And we, you know, like we've had centuries of good breeding. Oh my you know? goodness, the fights that I've had with people about this conversation. Yeah. So many in my life. Yeah, um, it's a it's I, a, yeah, it's a, especially right now. So uh, yeah, <laughs> ultimately, in a very real sense, you know. Know, uh, Randolph is much more right, you know. But you know, and he seems like he's at, like at least a more decent person in the beginning. We right. we get a little, we learn a little we later, a little not, little so later much, not so much. But but, um, but, but anyway, for now they're each arguing on one side of this coin, which is interesting because they you, you know they're brothers. You can tell that like they're probably one of the reasons that they've continued their success. Let I mean, let's just start. They obviously were born 
like almost touching well, home. Well, I mean, but, they were born. Well, they were born. They, 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 there's a line later in the movie that a duke has been on the board at the uh, stock exchange. exchange. The exchange for. Since since it was fat like yeah, they they yeah. like their family you found know, it helped right. found so it. the idea is that of course the money's been passed down but you do see that they have they also do have an affinity for what they're doing well they well yeah because they've spent their whole life learning how to do it right but on you but know. on the same side I fall is, I fall very strongly on the on the nurture no, no, side no no I do I do too <laughs> yeah. but you're missing my point that the, the the yes that they were born like I was saying they were born not just on third but like literally with a foot touching home yeah. at this point well they, yeah they were they they were born literally like just like sliding sliding into, into home. home yeah like so coming out of the canal was sliding into, into home, home for them right so uh, immediately we have that so they're like they're probably taught all this from get go talked about a vagina you did. <laughs> Wow, why did I say that? With your uh-huh. pregnant wife, and yeah. <laughs> nonetheless. Yeah, but that, that canal ain't getting slid out of. There's nothing going down that canal, unfortunately. <laughs> cut, 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 cut that baby out. So, um, but my point, but what I'm trying to say is that, uh, that, that being said, even though they literally came out Born on, you know, born at home, uh, born at home, <laughs> born at home, sliding yeah. into home, uh, with all of that, uh, all of the weird, what they, all the privilege that they had from the literally the second that they l- landed on this earth. Um, I, I do have to say that I, I like that still the two of them obviously uh, have these uh, arguments about things, and that the arguments probably helps their business in and of yeah. itself oh, yeah. because oh, it oh. shows that they you know you're, they're not always on the same side of the of, of a decision and that one has to beat the other one out so that breeds the competition which right, is always yeah. nice but then on the other side of it they they obviously compete often and they talk about this in their while they're right. having this well, fight they they talk about let's wager about this let's see if we can make right. this happen but they, they haven't figured out the wager, yet. wager <coughs> right but they talk about how they want to do a wager on this right because but they, they want haven't to, they, but they haven't they, they need to find the right thing they have to do an experiment on how they're going to make yeah. whose side of this is going to be Esa- essentially the wager is going to be we'll get that out of the way real yeah. quick the wager is going to be that someone in um what is uh Lewis Winthorpe the uh, third Winthorpe, Winthorpe, as, Winthorpe. They, as they uh, they usually call him yeah. um it, which by the way there was a moment in the middle of the movie where I couldn't remember if it was Lewis Winthorpe or Winthorpe Lewis and both sound like rich guy names <laughs> <laughs> you know so um Lewis is his first name yes Lewis yes. Winthorpe the third but like they were saying like someone like Lewis whose family he, he's graduated from Harvard uh his family come is is uh, is a good family he's been on, a, on an upward track he is perfect now but like if he were to swap places with someone with no money, no no good family, no prospects who is a criminal. Yeah. That the two of them if you if you switch their material circumstances would each fall into the roles is what is what Randolph is right. saying. Right. Whereas Mortimer says basically that if you took everything away from Lewis, he would still he rise. Would, he would still rise and if you gave Lewis Lewis's stuff to someone of poor breeding that they would that they would automatically they would fail. Yeah. You know. So uh so that's going to be the wager and uh basically we I, I can't remember where but like like by the way there at some point someone was complaining about how $5 being too much for a movie and I thought that was the funniest oh, yeah. thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Which at the time $5 for a movie I remember enough to know that $5 for a movie was a lot but that was like New York like uh, or Philadelphia big city prices for a movie yeah, back yeah. then. Um and also I like like I I, I think before we get anything about uh, Eddie Murphy, let's talk about uh, the the introduction at the club. Yes, uh, where we see a collection of the whitest whites. 
<laughs> that oh, we have ever seen. I mean, it's it Muffy, is the Trixie, Chad. Yeah, like they are I all mean, like the. But the, that's where we get the the first appearance of the looking good, feeling good line. Yes. Uh, I was like, look, I can't remember who he was talking to. Yeah. Uh, but you know, but yeah, it was the like uh, I think it was Todd or whatever. Mm. Like looking good, Lewis, feeling good, Todd. Yeah. You know. Um, which is like how they all introduced him. <laughs> so they go to the club. They have like a whole, uh, yeah. And then they he talks to the Bellamy brothers about how about everything's going, and he 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 mentions even going through the finances, and they found a mysterious check to a uh, oh, Clarence to Beaks, Beaks. Yes. and uh, they so, like so, that, and that's obviously some foreshadowing. And they say like, oh no, he's just doing a little work for us, a little I'll research, take that. a we'll little take... research. I'll take that. So Winthorpe uh, managing their company does the payroll, like right. he, he, yeah, he he's, distributes he's printing the, all the checks, he prints all the checks, and he distributes. The By the way, way to be bad at corruption, uh, Duke brothers. Like what is what? Like why would you put the, the like a regular paycheck from payroll to this man oh and not have God. like some sort of hidden fund somewhere? So stupid. Like I, like it's it's astonishingly uh, like a bad plan on that. Uh, like Very from, bad from plan. the start because all it takes is one person going. That's weird. What that's is weird. That? And then keeping asking questions instead of being instead of keeping his mouth shut. Um. So that's, yeah. that's basically that. That's all we need to know about that. And we're finally introduced to our hero, uh, Eddie Murphy, playing uh, playing Billy Ray Valentine, and uh, we we kind of introduce get introduced to him in kind of a way that is not so great. Not so great. Like within literally, I would say two minutes time. First, we he's introduced like pretending to be a legless veteran, which we don't see in this scene, by the way, that he's pretending. Although it's obvious, it's pretty obvious, you know, like. But uh, he's uh, he first he's a bl- pretending legless, to be a, yeah legless veteran and then he pretends and then to be blind he, no a, a legless blind veteran yeah and then he he's but he's but he's harass but first he's harassing a woman like hey baby come here come on, come on yeah baby. It's like it's it's uh, like he's literally tugging on her skirt it's like our hero is sexually harassing someone on the street uh, within a month he's he runs into some Philly cops and we literally get like in the in the space of maybe uh, forty seconds we get the n word yeah we get the b word and we get him called a cripple yep. Uh, it's it's pretty fantastic. It's pretty um, awesome. Really, it's great. It, it, it did not make me feel a little itchy at all. No. Um, and then, uh, you know, basically he ends up... I mean, I think the word of the day for that, those little moments are problematic. 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 Yes. At, at one point when he's pretending, like, like, like the next scene they see him in, like, first of all... Oh, yeah, the first time you see him actually is he's asking for money. I was going to say, I'm, say, I'm mistaken. This is the Dukes. second scene. Yeah. Yeah, the Dukes, and they just sort of push him out of the way, and he rolls, like, in, in, like into, like, the, the snow... On a bank because it's it's also near Christmas time. Yeah, this movie, my like so many '80s movies, is just as much a Christmas movie as Die Hard. But we oh, don't yeah. ever hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. so, it actually is. So, um, so yeah. Then and then the second scene the is the second when, scene. They, the cops basically pick him up by his shoulders and his legs drop, and then he's like, "It's a miracle, I'm healed," you know. And we do some, you know. And again, I I will say it's like like it's it's got a lot of problematic crap, but like Eddie Murphy's. Obvious natural charisma shines through almost oh, instantly. Yeah, immediately. Like the moment he's on screen, and Dan Aykroyd's a very funny man. Don't get me wrong, Dan Aykroyd's been involved with a lot of great comedy in his life. But Eddie Murphy, like, was a generational charismatic talent as far as comedy goes. Yeah. I'm not saying I always found him funny, but his level of charisma and his ability to just, like, especially in the early 80s, to, like, just command, like, attention in, in, in a comedic scene. Is like it, it's hard to ignore. I will even also now. say that as far even as now, after so many terrible as, bad movies he's been in, as far as casting goes, I will honestly say that it it this movie did a phenomenal job putting Dan Aykroyd uh, and Eddie Murphy together. First of all, but but honestly, I really do think, like you said, that Murphy 
like kind of rises up in this movie. And but Ackroyd does such a good job playing the uh, like the, yeah, well, the right. foil well, character. I, like like I said, Ackroyd. Well, Ackroyd is well. This this is the thing. Both like. Dan Eckert was also still at pretty much the height of his comedic powers, and it's not like Dan Eckert wasn't a really funny guy no, 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 too. I know. Like, like Dan Eckert's still a comedy legend too. It's just but, I, my my point I is just. I think you're missing my point. Okay. though. I think what I'm trying to say is that because of what you're saying, because of the fact that his charisma is so uh, Murphy's charisma is so big, and it's so mm-hmm. he really does command the mm-hmm. screen when he's on it. That you really did pick a great person to play this the the, yeah. the foil character because Ackroyd, whether he means to or not, does a very good job. Allowing uh, that breath of of um, screen like uh, charisma and screen time for Eddie Murphy right. without trying to steal it back himself. Right, he really does. Well, Ackroyd, a- a- Ackroyd gets a lot of comedy in his own stuff. Yes. so he doesn't need he doesn't, he doesn't need like, to like like, Eddie, like when Eddie Murphy's on 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 screen, Eddie Murphy is going to be the funniest guy on screen like ninety five percent of the oh, time in in, the, in in this time period. You know, like he, like the white guy is gonna be the straight man. Uh, by the way, I was I was just thinking about the fact that all of Eddie Murphy's early hits, like up through maybe coming to America, I'm not really sure. I'm trying to think like like the movies, but, but like Eddie Murphy's like his his formula in the in the early movies is Eddie Murphy is in some way the streetwise black man hmm. paired with a white guy who just can't handle his bullshit in some way shape or form yeah. and like has to kind of like deal with it yeah. you know we gotta you start with like this one with dan Aykroyd, and in like you know 48 hours we have nick nolte having to deal with it beverly hills cops you have judge reinhold and wasn't there another guy i can't it's been a while since i've seen it's uh been so it's, been, it's been a while but like it, it's like he needs to have these like like he's he shines like basically turning the tables on like stuffy stuffy white guys or or at least white guy, like, or, like, I don't like Nick Nolte's not really playing a stuffy guy, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. just, like, guys who are, like, not like him at all. Yeah. He, like, they, they, they do a, re- like, early in his career, there was a, a lot of very good decisions about, like, getting him to play off of someone, like, and make the white guy look foolish. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 it's very funny when he does it. He's very good at it. So, um, like, basically what happens is he ends up, like, uh, bumping into bumping into Dan Aykroyd leaving he, while he's like walking away from the and Dan, Dan Aykroyd has like the payroll in his hands and like basically uh, like Dan Aykroyd drops the payroll package and Eddie Murphy actually picks up and just starts to hand it back to him he's like you know like he may be like a weird con man and like you know like kind of a you know like you know like obviously someone who's like playing the angles but he's not like a straight up like robber yeah you know and he's just try- and he's trying to get it back but Dan Aykroyd immediately and racistly assumes okay this homeless black man is clearly trying to steal, steal. from me you know and basically it turns in this thing the cops start chase see, see him but they, they just run him off see him because Dan Aykroyd's like police police this man you know and uh, he, so Eddie Murphy runs into the club you know gets chased around like there's a little like slapstick where the, everyone's chasing him around a table and he's like sliding under and it ends with a scene that honestly in this day and age it was carries a lot of very terrifying weight yeah. because we end up with a black man on the ground with like seven or eight police revolvers pointing right at his face yeah you know and uh there is actually a pretty funny line because you know like we, we talked once about the time that we were in the synagogue for uh for passover <laughs> and the, is there a doctor in the house yeah. and it's like everyone's like me 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 i'm a dentist yeah, you know or whatever it literally you happened. Know? we had the reverse here they're in this room full of rich white wasps yeah you know and he's like is there a lawyer in the house and, and like, like you see a bunch of people kind of go and, oh, and they kind of look away like no 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 I have never never no like it's, which is so funny because if you get a room of, if you get a room full of 30 rich white people around if 20 of them aren't lawyers I yeah, would be stunned exactly. you know um 
Too funny. So basically, the, uh, the 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 Duke brothers see this, and that, and they are inspired. They look at this, and we. This is where we get Don Amici just dropping the softer of the two n words yes. when he says he's a the Negro. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know, God. which he delivers with such weird distaste. I will say this: props to Don Amici for being able to play this character so well. Yes. Like. But like he's such like Mortimer is awful. He's awful. Mortimer is like it, like Ralph's bad. Not Ralph. Ralph uh, Ralph Bellamy. But, 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 uh, yeah. but uh, Re- uh, Ronald uh, Ronald Reginald no. Ronald <laughs> Rorty Rabul <laughs> Randolph, Randolph Randolph. Thank you. <laughs> I was just letting Rimsky you Korsakov. It's really funny uh, watching you fight for it though. Rubella. <laughs> Rubella. Rheumatiz. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> I got a bit of the rheumatiz. Got a touch of the rheumatiz. Oh, um, so, but like, like, uh, oh, but God. but Mortar is by far the worst human being of in this the two movie. Of them, yes. Like he, like he, like he is awful. Yeah. Um, There's and, maybe redeeming qualities in in uh, in Randolph, but so anyway, Eddie Murphy goes to jail, and while uh, while Mortar may be, Mortimer may be the worst human being, Denim Elliott remains the best. Yes. Uh, there is a a scene where uh, so. Dan Aykroyd goes to meet with his fiance Penelope, who's uh, she, it's played by an actress named Kristen Holby, who seems really familiar. I like I, I haven't bothered to like I, like I kind of raced in like uh, I don't know like um, she played Dan Aykroyd's fiance Penelope. Oh, no, there's not much she's ever done. I guess maybe I just remember from this. Yeah, she was probably. a model mainly. That's not surprising. Uh, but like, uh, but uh, yeah, so she plays Penelope, the the rich like very Whoa. snotty. She's very like she's. Thin and brittle feeling, you know, and there's this scene where like she's decided like she's 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 talking about how brave he was to deal with this horrible attacker. And oh my god! Dinamelli's just there like buttling, yeah. and he's serving their food and trying to just be like the best, you know, the best man servant he could be. And they're talking about sex in such an obvious way. Dinamelli is very clearly just like. I want to get out of here now. <laughs> yeah. oh, was he serving crepes or something? He was. He was making them. He was, he was making them crepes, crepes table side. Yeah, yeah, crepes was at table side. That's right, because yeah, he was like Grand, like Grand Marnier and like yeah, like like yeah, it was it was, he was, it was a whole whole, like, whole to do. And basically, they're like you know you can have it you know to him because they're gonna go off and have sex. And Dinamelli just has this sort of. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And then the, the, the cuts immediately him dumping it out in the trash. Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> but like, it's like, but uh, what is his character's name? I keep calling him Denim Elliott, but he's actually Coleman. 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 Um, so, and then we see a sex scene that is so joyless. Oh God, it's so bad. It is so like, it just, it's like the perfectly. two of them. And, and this is back before Dan Aykroyd, like me, decided. Dan, I, uh, Dan Aykroyd and I both made a decision somewhere in life, me a few years earlier than him, to pull a ripcord and inflate like a life raft. <laughs> <laughs> Like, cause, like Dan Aykroyd and I were both tall, thin people at oh one point. <laughs> yeah. So this is tall, thin Dan Aykroyd with this thin, modely like oh. woman. Like, and they're taking their clothes off to have sex on the carpet, and it's just, it's so like businesslike. Yeah, it's and gross. not. It's and not I will say, passionate like, at all. I mean, to its credit, it's still sexier than any scene in Top Gun. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it that is, is just over disgustingness. So basically, like that, it, it sort of fades out with this grossness, and we we, it, we we go back to Billy Ray in the jail. Actually, before that, there's a phone. Uh, the phone rings, and it's Denholm Elliott answers it, and it's the Duke brothers. They this is when they they no they haven't they have, had they made the decision yet. They, oh yeah, they did. They yeah, made they the did. decision. So basically, Denholm Elliott learns. We just like, hear Denim Elliott's side of the phone and call. And he's like, yeah, and he's like, yes, sir. Yeah, yes, of course, sir. You know, and like basically they're telling him, like we, we, they're obviously telling him that he had, like, 
He's mm-hmm. going to be kicking because this home is owned by the Dukes. Right. He's employed by the Dukes, not by not by not Lewis. by Lewis. And you find that out in this phone call that that uh, the the Dukes basically set uh, Winth- Winthorpe up with this house, with this home, and with and Penelope Lewis. is their niece. Yeah, grandniece. Grandniece. Yeah. No, of so, course. Yeah, they're much older than yeah. Yeah, grandniece. Grand so so uh, they basically are the reason that. Lewis is in the position he's in as far as they've, their company goes. Yeah, not they've, they've made, yeah. yeah, like they've set him up. He is like on their fast track because he's their superstar that's been making them money. Right. So, uh, like so he made them three hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars in that deal. In that then, one deal. In that right. one deal that morning. So, so the deal is that that when they call Coleman and they tell him what to do, he is te- he is employed by them. So, so and he even says and that, like, and it's important it, that it, we know that yeah, because because basically Coleman has been ordered that basically they're going to. They're going to do a science experiment. Do a science yeah. experiment in which, Col- like, on, on Coleman's end, he is going to basically not. He's going to basically be changing the locks on the house and, and pretending that he doesn't know Lewis at all. Which we don't know yet, but we will but, find but, that's out. Obvious. And I, lo- I do love Denim Elliott hanging up the phone and going, "What a couple of pricks!" Yeah, like you know, <laughs> like he hates. He's them. like so tired of being like pawned off, you know, with these, you know. Well, yeah, he. Well, Coleman, Coleman, like, obviously likes Lewis. Yes. Like he, li- like it's obviously he's like. He's, he puts up with it, but like, you know, like he's obviously, he doesn't dislike Lewis. Right. He, like, you know, and he obviously likes him more than the Duke brothers who yes. he, he is obviously like Denim Elliott at this point is a middle age, like he's like, he's like, like 50 years old. Yeah. He's obviously worked for them a long time. He knows they're terrible. Yes. Like he, he's not under, he, unlike us, he, he's seen enough to know that even, that even, uh, Rathusala. <laughs> Ramekin Ralph Bellamy's character is yep it's okay honey you'll get it Rumi I'm not going to let you go I'm not even going to tell you what it is but yeah it doesn't matter I've already decided to not care and just say whatever yes so so anyway we cut back to Billy Ray in the jail and he's surrounded by some scrawny guys that he's be regaling with the tales of, of, of how he fought the cops yeah. and like beat up a couple a bunch of them and put them in the hospital. <laughs> and these two huge guys on the other end of the cell are like, bullshit. Yeah. You pussy. Yeah. And yeah, they, they use that word because uh, we're, we're, again, early mid 80s. Every, every, this, this movie has almost every slur you can think of. Problematic. A little, yeah. Uh, but what's really amazing is at one point they actually use a slur that, uh, well, it's not really a slur, but like, uh, you know, an insult that I didn't think survived the 70s. I thought the last person to maybe say this was like JJ on Good Times circa like December 30th, 1979. Yeah. But they call him a jive turkey. That's right. In the year of our Lord, 1983. That's right. <laughs> they call him a jive turkey. Yeah. Um, Anyway, like basically, it gets to a point where they 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 end up like he he talks trash back to them, and they end up like these two huge dudes are basically like have him jacked up against the cell wall, and they're gonna basically demolish him. But then suddenly the guard shows up and says, "Valentine, you're free," you know, and and he's like, "What?" Because you know, in America, I don't know if you know this, um, a lot <laughs> of our bail laws are designed to keep poor people off the streets as long as humanly possible. You charge them with anything. And, you know, like they, they, they can just sit in jail without a trial for forever and ever. Forever and, ever. And, and I think we all know that. And uh, Billy Ray is definitely expecting to be stuck in jail for quite a while. Yeah. Because there's know? nobody that's going to bail him out. Nobody has money. Yeah. He doesn't have friends. He's like, he doesn't seem to have very many. Well, he has friends, suppose, but they're not close. They're not close. We learn later. Yeah. You know, but um, he's. So he ends up uh, getting. Um, 
getting bailed out and just dropped onto the street and he's just confused and walking around you know like wondering what the hell's going on and then a limo pulls up and the two uh, and the two rich old white guys that he saw before are inviting him in and he's like what yeah, you know and they're like confused. come on in come in come in it's warm in here it's warm in here and then and he's like whiskey all you want yes. <laughs> that's from don amici and jesus you were the worst mode yeah <laughs> oh he's so bad so uh um, my favorite part is when they open the what, what kind of cigars were they when you find them they were they were they were um oh god i i they were they were uh they were, it was a they were obviously Cubans, and I can't remember which ones. They were the really big, expensive. The big Cubans that and I can't he, remember. He opens it up, and he's like, he's like, whiskey. And so he takes the whiskey, and then they... He's then, just tucking it. He doesn't even drink it. He just got it tucked under, under his, his arm. arm. And then they open the, the cigar. Yeah, a cigar, cigar. And he, like, grabs a handful and puts it in. And he, like, puts them in the other arm. He puts them in the other arm in there. And... uh at one point, we unfortunately get uh, get Eddie Murphy dropping the f bomb. I mean, that's one of the the sad the sad pitfalls yeah. of anything. The hard Mur- f. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The yeah, as we hate movies refers to it, the hard f. Um, yeah, I don't. I would say fuck. I will not say. I, but the other one yeah. is the f bomb for me. Yes, me too. Um, but um, that's one of the sad pitfalls of any Eddie Murphy comp- related comedy in the eighties. Is there is a virulent strain of homophobia in a lot of his jokes, and it's oh, yeah. it's, it's very. You know, like so, so, he basically asks them if that's their intention with him. Yeah, and of course they say no. And they 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 give they give him this offer that like they they're giving him a house and a job and like he's like okay yeah. And then that leads actually to a very funny scene with Eddie Murphy on full full force good for comedy. You know, is when he is uh, in it being shown his new house. And everything, and he's like, "Oh, this is all mine, yeah. huh?" He doesn't this... believe it at and all. And he's like, "The best part, like, 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 he breaks a vase. It turns out it's worth thirty thousand yeah. dollars, but it's insured for fifty thousand, so he's already made them twenty thousand dollars." <laughs> but the best part is he's just sitting there going, "Oh, that's great," and everything, and he's just stealing everything. Like, yeah, he keeps walking like, he's around ste- stealing. Well, he's stuff. stealing what basically his own stuff yeah. because he has like, but he's just like stuffing things in his pockets, like, "Oh yeah, I love it here. This is amazing." Yeah. Just like <laughs> opening his coat and dropping things in. Um, you know, but in the end, they're, they're all very happy that he's made them that money, and then they all start laughing. And I'm not gonna lie, there is nothing in the world, and this is coming from a person who's raised white by white people in a white world. There's nothing creepier than a group a group of old white men laughing in unison. It like is there is shit. nothing more terrifying. I don't no no good has ever come of a room full of old white men laughing in unison. Yeah. Throughout history, I will put that statement out there, and I believe it to be true. So they they basically tell him, you know, we're gonna give you this job, we're gonna give you this house. We're going to give you whole Coleman's here to help you and take care of you and whatever you want. And basically, that's the deal. And uh, all you have to do is basically learn the ropes and uh, be successful. Awesome, mm-hmm. right? So he's completely confused, but he's going along with it. And, uh, and that, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. I was... No, I was nothing. Oh, I, no, I was saying... The, oh, oh, I'm oh. sorry. I was I was actually, like, th- trying to remember, remember something from... I, I was, oh, I was, letting, okay. you, I was letting you steer for a minute while I was... Oh. Like, I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I kind of wasn't paying attention to what you said, so I'm a little bit lost there. Oh, that's lovely. So, uh, what, what were we saying here? I was just basically giving the wrap-up of, of Eddie Murphy being told that this is all his. Yeah, and, and he's like, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm trying to remember if the next thing that happens is that we see... Uh, uh, we see We, we see, see Beaks. Because the next scene is oh, the next scene right. we we've we've elevated we've elevated Billy Ray now we have to lower Lewis right right uh, so the next scene we, we we get introduced to Clarence Beeks who's doing a side job for like this is not his main job Clarence Beeks has much more a much more important and who's role playing to fill. Clarence Beeks why beloved beloved uh, character actor asshole Paul, Paul Gleason. Gleason. 
like this. You might remember Paul Gleason as the principal from A Breakfast Club. And a Breakfast, a bre- a <laughs> breakfast, a breakfast Club. Club. <laughs> or you might remember him as the you might remember him as the asshole police guy from A Die Hard. That's right. <laughs> Paul Gleason, you know, play playing uh, uh, actually it's slightly different because he's not an authority figure per se. Right. This he's more of like a spy, kind of a G. Gordon Liddy figure, yeah. you know, like he's more of like a, a, a fixer. He's almost a hired he's, gun. Yeah, he's like a yeah. Winston, he's Winston the Wolf, but uh, yeah. you know, but like, but like, you know, not nearly. He's an evil cool. fixer. He's an evil fixer. He's well, an evil well, fixer, and he's not yeah. very. He's not as cool as Wolf. So, wolf. so basically, uh, Gleason. Like bumps into him and uh, plants some drugs on him, which will come up later. Uh, he is, uh, but they there and plants some money as well. Uh, they basically he gets a, actually the drugs is planted later. The money is planted. He yeah. plants these. He plants these marked fifty dollar bills because basically they're going to a meeting at the, this huge club, this fancy thing that like this huge board meeting. All the, all the, yeah, all, all, the, all, the all the rich white people. Yeah. yeah, all the rich white people in Philadelphia are all in this room, and. Basically, there's been an accusation that money, like three fifty dollar bills, have been stolen. Yep. And they're like, you know, like because a, a theft from from members is like, you know, like an unthinkable crime. Right. And everyone's would do everyone's that. asked to empty their pockets out. Yep. And there's these these monies were marked with an X. And basically, everyone's supposed to reach into the pocket of the person next to them and pull it out. And what ends up being pulled out of uh, Lewis's pocket is the money. And they're like, <gasps> you know, and he's disgraced and he's, he's, he's basically pulled out of the room and he's like, what? I didn't, you know, like, you know, and it, he's taken away and arrested yeah. and went through, uh, and Lewis, meanwhile, not Lewis, Beeks, I'm going through every name except the one I want. It's all good. Beeks, uh, basically you see him talking to a corrupt police chief played by Frank Oz. Woohoo! And, and Allie's like, is that Frank Oz or whatever? And then all of a sudden at one point he said something and his voice goes like this and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's definitely, definitely Frank, Frank Oz. Frank Oz. <laughs> uh, so, um, and so the, basically the cops have been paid off to plant angel dust on Lewis. Angel dust, PCP, PCP. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he is basically, he's trying to be like, like, you know, and he's like, I demand it. Like, like every angry, like every angry rich white person, I demand to see your supervisor. Yeah. You're going to pay for this. Yes. You know, and they're like, yeah, you no, know who I going. am. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he ends up basically he ends up get, going to jail, and um, he gets bailed out by I guess Penelope. Penelope ends up bailing him out, out. but uh, but but that but like but meanwhile Billy Ray is is uh, living living the life. He's got, Billy Ray goes to his his old one of his old hangouts, but he's wearing a suit now. Yeah. And he's and he's throwing money around. The best part about it, though, and this is my favorite moment that happens in the whole, and I think in this whole scene is Billy Billy Ray walks into this bar and he's all dressed to the nines, obviously with his new duds and everything that he's got. But basically, he's standing there, and the bartender says, "You, you know, you have a lot of nerve to come, you know, bring your face into this place again." He's like, "After what you owe me." And the best part is like Billy Ray pulls out this big wad of cash and he's like there's your $27 yeah. it's this great moment of like you think he owes him like thousands of dollars and he owes him 27 well, which but, just goes to show you how much he like did not let's have talk about your privilege Allie $27 is a, goes a long way no but my point is it's the setup for the comedy mm-hmm. because it's like he totally could have owed him a lot more right. money and but so he ends up yeah basically he ends stop up stop it by the way that wasn't nice <laughs> I know I was supposed, I, I, I'm not a nice podcast you're not you're mean to me I'm not a podcast at all I'm a person you are, who's on you are a podcast I am a diehard you are 
right. <laughs> at a breakfast club. <laughs> Let's go to a breakfast club and enjoy our diehards. Um, so, um, so he basically he ends up like being like obviously cock of the walk because yeah. everybody's, he's buying drinks for everybody, and then he and and the and the the two big guys from the prison are like running to him there, and he, they're like like pissed off at him, like they're like, oh yeah. So I suppose that's your limo outside, you know, like, you know, you were saying how, like, tough you are. Where's and your big car that you Where's your big about? car you were talking about? And he's like, you know, he's like, like, oh, it's right outside. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that's yours. And he's like, okay, let's go to my place. And he basically takes the whole bar back to his place in his limo. Yeah. And, uh, and it leads to, like, this crazy party where everyone's just, like, wrecking the place. And we get, because it's an 80s movie, we get random topless women. Like, really, only an 80s movie is so going to have right. random topless women at a par- at a, in a comedy. Yeah. It's like like it's like they all I, just take their shirts off. Yeah, they're just taking their shirts off because it's the eighties. It's a comedy, and they're doing just coke everywhere. And, and there's like there's met the people are just breaking things and like part and like and Eddie Murphy's actually running around like he was a coaster. Like he's trying to like keep the place nice because suddenly it's like wait this is my stuff. Yeah, he just realizes that like, like now he's he's invited and, them to a place to trash that's actually his. And he's like and he's finally he's like he ends up kicking them all out because yeah. he's like even the women even the topless women throwing themselves at him. He's like just get out, yeah. get out, get out, get out. Yeah. You know and like you see like the two big the two big dudes are like are like man we, we were wrong about you you're great it's like yeah that's yeah, great get the fuck out yeah it's great <laughs> you know and so he they, like so he like he, and the and it's really funny it's like I, I have to say he shows the irresponsibility of him because he he had to work, start his new job the next day yeah I'm surprised he wasn't very hungover I guess he quit drinking early enough yeah I think he when he finally got home he realized that everybody was like trashing his place and he right. was like I can't and, enjoy this and so we get the we get the parallel scene of him entering from the beginning we did we didn't talk about it but like Lewis entering everyone's like. Mr. Winthrop, Mr. Winthrop, Mr. Winthrop, yeah. Mr. Winthrop, you know, and he comes in and no one really recognizes him and he just sort of walks in. But like, I, I want to point out just because like, there's a moment when this dude goes by out of nowhere and it's not commented on at all. This guy's got to be like seven feet tall. Oh yeah, the and he seven just goes feet walking tall. By. It's like my giant goes by. It's really bizarre. It's like that, like, but no one says anything. And yeah. I'm like, you don't. Do, it's just an extra. Just, why did like, you hire that? Extra? That's like when you have the like those like the, that random uh, family in the hospital on that great like in that Grey's Anatomy episode. Oh, yeah. The random like very religious Jewish family. It's like you can't just throw that stuff in the background without commenting on it. Right. That's very distracting. It is. Well, again, yeah, you exactly. Know. If you're gonna do it, then there's got to be a reason behind it because otherwise it is bizarre. Because right. we're not wondering about. About the big giant right and so out. he goes through and uh um they they uh this is when he learns about uh commodities before we go there we have to finish no we don't we're gonna do that after because i think that actually is after <laughs> my notes have something about the next thing we're gonna talk oh, about okay. uh, like i think it's after you just show all the stuff with lewis happens I, I i think i think lewis happens next or if it doesn't it's easier to just talk about it in chunks that, that's like, fine because like if it's intercut more than we're doing that like, there's no reason okay, like that's fine like, but I, i'd rather get that out like Eddie gets taught. I, I, before you even go there, I have to just say that we are about to enter probably one of my very favorite moments in this entire movie. That, well, I was building that too. Yes, I know. I just want to say. You just, want, a, you, you just want to shoot my wad before no, I go. No, I'm going to let you get to it. I just want to say. My favorite part My favorite part of a trading space is. Yes. Is, uh, is coming up right now. Go ahead. No, no. It's like they, the, the, the uh, Duke brothers are training him on how to make them money. Right. You know, and it is one of the most glorious moments of condescension ever. Now, admittedly, hilariously enough, I think the the audience, myself included, needed this primer yes, on the commodities we market. Because uh, I, I didn't know, you know anything about it. About like, but it, they're describing the, the concept of commodities as you're buying these products that people can use to sell them at a future date. And when you, you know, like they're they're and they're waiting for uh, the big the big deal is coming on uh, January second. That's when they announce the the U.S. Department of Agriculture announces. 
the, the crop, crop report. The crop report, which is gonna, which is going to drive where the prices are on these commodities. And people, before the crop report is announced, people are buying based on their own speculation. Specifically for orange juice. Specifically, orange juice is the one they're talking about yeah. in this. But they're, you know, like, but like they, you know, they talk about the various different things, pork bellies, you know, and and gold, and gold, and and, he, and, and they're describing coffee like beans. this is coffee beans, which are used to make your coffee, and like and. And, and, and but when they get to bacon pork bellies, they're like, which is used to make bacon, such as you might have in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. And this is the only time it happens in the whole, in movie. The whole movie. But Eddie Murphy, for a split second, breaks the fourth wall and does a take to the camera that is, is one of the funniest things I have. Uh, it is like I'm telling you, if like you, an Eddie Murphy, an Eddie Murphy deadpan take is one of the funniest things you'll ever see. And it is so, and it's unexpected because yeah. the wall has not been broken up to this point, no. and it's just and it never for a gets moment. Broken again. And it's just like he just does a take for like maybe a split, like maybe a half second, maybe a second. It's just this. It's such a beautiful moment. If you can just Google this scene, and I guarantee you can probably just well, YouTube I would say, it. Yeah. Yeah. You watch the whole movie, but like yeah. specifically if you just want to see this scene, it's so worth it. Watching these two old white, you know, farts basically, you know, yeah, like, condescend to him. And then his- money explain Money-splain him, honestly. <laughs> and then like let him just do this take to the camera. It's goddamn comedy yeah. gold. It's beautiful. So, and and it's for a, the record, Eddie Murphy instantly takes to this. Yeah, he, he understands he actually, it immediately. He, like he, he's actually really good at this. He literally says, oh, you guys are a bunch of bookies. So, like, yeah, he's like, oh, I get, I get it, get it now. now. Oh, yeah, <laughs> no, I get what you are. You know, which is which is a great statement because basically when you get down to it, that is kind it's of exactly what, what they are. Pretty much, pretty much the entire exchange, all, all of finance is basically various forms of legalized gambling. Sorry, Dad, it's kind of true, though. It, well, it is. Yes. It's, it's, you're betting against things. Yes. You know, you can make safe bets, you can make sucker bets, but, yeah. you know, you're still betting. I will say my dad always did the conservative bets. Yeah, your dad was playing blackjack. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, your dad plays blackjack. Yeah. You know, other, other people might be playing Keno. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, but... But uh, so let's go back to uh, we probably did jump ahead, but it's a little hard to like okay. do these parallel anyway. No, fine. So Lewis ends up being bailed out of jail by Penelope, but Beeks is part of a plan to utterly destroy him. Penelope is a support system; yeah. he needs to be removed. So Beeks has taken aside a prostitute who has just gotten out of jail, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and uh, basically he gets her to run up because, and she's like, you know, like dealing heroin. He's like. It was angel dust. Yeah. PCP. <laughs> angel, angel dust. dust. Like, I love that he's so, like, vehement about the thing he didn't do to yeah. get it at least right. I was not dealing heroin. Yeah, he's like... <laughs> you know, but... And I am not an angel dust dealer. Like, <laughs> that's my favorite moment that he does that because it's like, you can hear every clipped, you know, an angel, angel dust, dust dealer. And then, like, and then out of nowhere, um, Jamie Lee Curtis shows up dressed in, like, you know, central casting hooker costume. Yeah. And like you know, like the big long hair, smacking gum, made like like trashy makeup. And it's like Louie, Louie, I need it. I need the dust, you know. Yeah, and she, and he's like, what? And she kisses him. And it's like you know, she's I'm, like, I'll do whatever you want. And she's like, I'll oh. do what you love, you know, all the stuff you love to do. And you know, Penelope's like just mortified and like, no, I am out. Of, you know, like, and she storms off. And and then Jamie Lee Curtis disappears. And you know, and he's like, what? well, no, she doesn't disappear. She, he's like, she, what? You've he, ruined me. Yeah. Why? You know. And she's like, oh, relax. You know, it's like your friend over there said it would be a, a good joke, you know. Yeah. And like, and he goes to look and like, and the, and the friend is gone. Beeks is gone. Beeks is gone. She's like, yeah. you know, like, oh, she, you know. He paid, he paid her like a hundred bucks to do it. Yeah, paid so. her like a hundred bucks to like basically do this. And and she's like, and, and he's like, you ruined me. And like, I, and it ends up being like, basically through circumstances, she ends up kind of like 
agreeing to help him. Well, this is how it happens. He he promises her that if she oh yeah he promises her she gives him a ride, ride a, ta- a cab ride, a cab ride to his house to his house he can get money and he can pay her. He'll like pay not 50, only the cab but he'll pay her like more than like it was. more money yeah. like fifty bucks or yeah. whatever you know. And when he gets there, he's locked out. And he and Coleman and, won't let him in because he's changed. And, and the she's box. like Coleman pretends to not know who he is. And you can and you can see this look in his face like of just like he's devastated to have to do this. Yeah. And uh, you uh, but you end up with. Um, like Jamie Lee Curtis ends up taking pity on him and saying, "Come on." He goes on, to a me. bank to try to get. Yeah, he goes uh, to a money. bank to try to get. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I skipped that part. Yeah. Goes to the bank to try to get money, and and, and basically he's told that because he's a you know he's a credit risk because he's a felon. They, he's been told to like take oh, to confiscate been, all of his cards yeah. and destroy them. And yeah, like his accounts have been, have been frozen. Yeah. His, his assets have been frozen. Like he can't he can't like touch any of his money. And Jamie Lee Curtis takes pity on him and like and takes him and takes him home to her place. Which, by the way, I want to point out her her, her ghetto apartment. Now, I admit her neighborhood looks terrible, yeah. but when she gets to her apartment, her apartment is nicer than most places yeah. I've ever lived. I was just in. about to say, like, yeah, like it's it's, it's it's the one that we lived in. Our our you know even in that you know nice building ish well, you nice, know yeah, nice, nice. In, in quotes uh, in in a in a relatively nice neighborhood of the city uh, was so much shittier was than a, her yeah. nice apartment. Yeah, like the nicest place I've ever lived in the in in Chicago proper. Was not as nice as her apartment. I know it was ridiculous. So, Hell, the place we had in Evanston was on par with her apartment, and that was in a nice neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> like it was, it was a, like her apartment's huge, and like she's talking about how it's a shithole, but yeah. I'm like, it's not. It's a it's a Hollywood shithole. But hole. the the reason that she brings him home, and I think this is important, is that it just goes to show that she's observant and she's smart. And we learned, yeah, we learned from her that he's an investment. Well, right. Well, that's what I was about to explain. Okay. Well, is that he? She takes pity on him and she brings him home because she looks at his hands and she says, "You've never worked a day in your life." She's like, "You might be dressed like shit because basically they give him these." Yeah, clothes. he's like his real clothes were stolen, stolen. And, so you know, probably get, by the cops yeah. who were on the take. Right. And so, so he has like throwaway clothes. throwaway clothes. He looks terrible. He's all disheveled and he smells bad because he's been in jail and he has no money and he looks like a complete and he's been loser. beaten up and he's, and been, he's beaten, been beaten up. Right, he's been beaten up. So he's a complete loser. But she looks at his hands and she says, "You know what? Your hands." You You've never worked a day in your life. She's like, I something that makes her believe him that somehow he's being framed. So she. Well, I mean, I would believe him when the when the bank knew who he was, but froze his assets. But still, right? But still, they think he's a dealer. They think he's a drug dealer. Would you take him home? But she realizes that 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 this is there's more to him than is happening. So she takes him in as an investment, and she explains this to him. Yeah, and she explains like she's 24 years old. She she went to college. She went like, and she talks about how it's like basically she's been like she like she's obviously chosen. She, she's like I don't have a pimp. I'm you know like, yeah I, I, I work like, for myself. I, I work for myself. I do you know like I like I and I and like and she's been investing all of her money in T bills. And I really want to talk about the fact that when <laughs> the moment she said that, and Allie, I, I know there are certain stereotypes <laughs> about oh. about. Your people. Oh, shut up. <laughs> By which I mean actors. <laughs> no, there's certain stereotypes, but the moment the moment she said that, you went, T Bill, good for you. <laughs> I did. It's true. I did. And then I and then and then we, we had to pause and talk about this for a minute. When I was like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously T Bills are a pretty, you know, like you know, like like they're a pretty like good stable investment, you know, like low like like. Low risk, fairly low return, but you know they're they're a good investment because they're not going to collapse. And you and then you said, "I'm impressed that you know what T bills are." And I was like, <laughs> "Because I'm a gentile, <laughs> I only know how to use hammers." 
That's a stereotype about Gentiles I did not know existed. Oh, I yeah. Until I, till I started. Actually, we were friends before. We weren't dating yet no. when I learned this. Uh, but I, when I, I, like, I didn't know about the concept of the, well, the Shabbos Goy in general, but the, the concept that like uh, apparently amongst, amongst uh, any fairly well-off Jewish family, the, the way you get any work done in your house is you get a, a Gentile, specifically an Italian, I believe. Yeah. Usually, an usually Italian. an Italian, but a Gentile in general is like you get them to fix things. That's what we're good for. Yeah. <laughs> is I what I you're learned. Just good for that, but it's that we're not good at that, and you are. <laughs> Which is not a hundred percent true, because I will say this: you are you're fairly handy. I am. Fairly you are also handy. the most handy person in your family. I am the most. Stretch. I am the most handy person in my family, and the most tech savvy person in my family. <laughs> Which is, I mean, you're not untech savvy. No. I, won't, I won't. You're and you're only you're you're not unhandy, but you're like you're about average. You're like a normal human. I'm being. lucky when I'm average, but yeah. I, I but I, but here's the other thing. I also I would say it's it's doing theater tech work. Agreed. And that I, helped me. I was not yeah, nearly as handy sure. until I. Started I also buck the system in that I can't sew worth shit. And like I can't even sew a button on really like without like making a complete mess of do you, myself. Do you know how to loop the thing around the strings to make the buttonhole? Did you no. learn that in your costuming Hell class? Hell no. I I, I learned I'm not good at it, but I did learn how to sew a button on in costuming. One of the four times I took costuming. <laughs> Let me tell you, the only thing that I have sewed in the last and hand sewed in the last uh, I have forever. Hand sewn. <laughs> I'm sorry. The only thing you sewed in the last in the last forever. Were the loops on Jackson's uh, mattress cover? Oh yeah, well, no, we we haven't patented that yet. <laughs> <laughs> we have, an, we have whole, an invention that will change the world for parents of children on the spectrum who are very active. Who like to flip their mattresses? Oh my god! But I can't tell you how many I, that took me almost two hours to do that. I actually can sew on a button. One of the secrets when you sew on a button is after you sew the loops in. You take the string and you loop it around the bottom many times to create a, a, an area between the like a, an area for the button to fit over, so the button's not too flush with the cloth. So you actually have a space for the cloth to fit around the button. Like you 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 loop the string under the button, like circle it around where you've tied it. I, I love that, that you learned that. I, I and I love that you just told me that. I will also say this. Welcome for, to this old rag where I, where, I, you, where I teach you how no, to sew. What I was That's also, the only thing I know about sewing. Why by I was the way. looking at you with like such like like my jaw dropped moment had nothing to do with the fact that you knew that. But the The <laughs> fact that I failed costuming three times? No, no, actually <laughs> has to do with the fact that I there's an interesting I have an interesting there's no way there's anything interesting about sewing. I have an interesting <laughs> thing in my life where I remember that you can Google and watch, you know, tutorials about things and where I forget that that's actually a thing. And there's only a very small handful of things that I forget you can go find information about it, like very mm -hmm. easily find information rather than having to go to the library and pick out a book and have like mm -hmm. things show you that or whatever, or just have learned by somebody showing it to you. That's an example of something that it wouldn't have even, I, I would have not even thought to myself, well, go Google or YouTube a, a tutorial on how to do how a, to button. Sew a button. On. I would I it would have taken me probably asking on Facebook. Here's the thing: way I, know, I, I do doing it. I do know how to sew a button on, but that's something I would get a Jew to do for me. I'm just kidding. No, I would get Muddle the Tailor to do so that. So T bills, huh? Yeah, T -bills. T bills. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, we cut back to Lewis is now trying to get like he's going to his old friends yes. to get him back in. So he goes to the club the and they're club. like, how dare you show up right. here? And he's like, and th th my favorite part of this is how much his, his old friends basically look like a barbershop quartet made up of fifth doctors. 
Yes. Like they're all in like the V-neck cardig the V-neck sweaters, like you know, like the white sweaters and the like they're just oh you know, like they're all locked on it up. And everyone's drinking Heineken and Tab, which is like like the official the official non-alcoholic and alcoholic drink of 80s douchebags. Can we also mention that before Lewis walks in, uh, first of all, Penelope keeps talking about how she's she keeps mentioning that Todd this, Todd that, and you begin to realize that uh, she leaves Lewis to go be with Todd. Obviously, and right? But but while they're there, Todd is such a meat whistle. They're all such. <laughs> my God, I used a word my dad uses. What's wrong with me? All the men. I, are I apologize doing, if that's somehow homophobic. It might be. I don't are doing know. like a fraternity barbershop quartet moment. Oh my God, it's like the whiff singing, and poofs. Oh. Where they're singing about the. That's women. why I called it a barbershop quartet. Of yeah. Oh, it's gross. And they're all singing about the women that are sitting there and all of their conquests of these women, and it is so vile. Yeah, it's so gross. Ugh, it's vile. First of all, I don't, I don't want to think about the fact that rich white guys are allowed to have sex. Well, did you place. see the kind of sex that they have? Oh, it's awful. It's, it's terrible. Awful. It's just, oh, it's gross. It's, 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 it's like, it's like two grasshoppers having missionary, which it's is so it's just not right. Oh, really gross. So anyway, we, uh, we. So Lewis walks in, tries mm-hmm. to get them to get, you know, to validate him and give him, you know, like help. You know, which you know, obviously he's been good for. He's like, and they're like, get out. They're like, get out. We we don't want. We don't as want as Penelope kind. says, um, nobody wants your your drugs here, Louis. And like, you which know, is, I'm sorry, yeah. shut up. Yeah, basically, smack, 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 shut, smack, smack. Well, first of all, shut up. You're telling me a bunch of rich white people in the '80s don't want uppers. Of course. Fuck you. So Fuck not. you, movie. <laughs> Fuck you, movie. Well, they wouldn't condescend to have angel dust. Well, that's true. Angel they dust would... is a po- angel dust is a poor black person drug. Yeah, no, they would. They would. Oh, it would have been coke. coke. It would have been coke. Yeah. No, I know. It's just kind of funny. Um, and they, and we. So he, Lewis is at his last leg, so he's forced to pawn his watch. At which point we get. Weirdly enough, this is not the first Dan Aykroyd movie mm-hmm. to have a famous musician as a pawnbroker. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> like it's so yeah. Like unlike in the Blues Brothers, you had Ray Charles. Right. But right. now. Uh, but uh, in this one, Bo, Bo Diddley. Diddley. Welcome. Bo knows Diddley about pawnbroking, at least. Yeah. Um, so uh, Bo Diddley plays a pawnbroker, and, uh, and 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 he has to hawk his watch. He's like, it's a $6,000 watch. And he's like, first of all, this thing is hot. He's like, this thing is so hot. Like, I can't remember what he said. No, it was like, really it's like it was so obviously stolen yeah. is like what he's saying. He's like, no, no, it's not. It's mine. I paid for it. Like, you have the receipts, you know. No, you know. Like, And he's like, look, it's like, this is a $6,000 watch. It's a $50 watch. Yeah, if you want the money. If you want the money. And so he ends up having to pawn his watch for $50. He's got, like, nothing to his name. He's at absolute rock bottom. He's broken. Jamie Lee Curtis is letting him stay at her house because, again, like, she thinks he can succeed and get his money, get, get back, back to his money. And, um, and get her money. But he's, but, like, the next thing we really see, I mean, we have some, I believe there's some, uh, some antics with, uh, some antics with, uh, with, with uh, Eddie Murphy, like, being rich and well, like figuring he's, yeah, out. Yeah, he 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 starts to do the trading for them, and he does a good job. They they you know he he does almost the same thing that um, Winthrop does. They start to trade, and right. he's like, Look, Winthrop, I- Winthrop does it from like just his instincts, yeah. whereas whereas Eddie Murphy's character is like thinking things through and explaining the market. Like, well, obviously because right now 
you know, the holidays it's are here. To Christmas, and this is why these people are thinking this way. And, and they, they're I mean, not, you go ahead and do that, but you're going to lose more money unless you, uh, you know, follow what I'm saying. I'm just telling you, like, this guy's yeah. afraid that he's going to lose, you know, he, he's not going to be able to go home to his wife and kids and bring them presents. And so he's going to wait like, until this look, moment before he sells. And yeah. Yeah. And, and like, so he's like, he's obviously like, like, he's really, he's really good at reading people and, and thinking about people's motivations. So right. he's also skilled, you know, like. Like it, it's almost like it feels like Winthrop's whole thing is he's been doing it for like so much of his life that he is like he's instinctive about right. it. Right. Where, but they both they're both good at it. Yeah. You know, they're both great, and in fact, in many ways, it's entirely possible that A. Murphy might actually be, even be better. Like yeah. he might be making them even more money than Winthrop would have made them. Right. You know, like and so they're you know like but like they're very impressed, and they like I think the next big thing that happens though is the Christmas party. Yeah, but Don Amici's pissed. But Don Amici is very angry, and he try he tries to get um. Uh, uh, he tries to to win the the wager between him and his He's brother. He's trying to like sink him and sink screw him, him up. So he drops his uh, money clip. Yeah. Uh, for Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy finds it and, and then like, he like races, races to races go find and gives them. it back and like and Bellamy's like ah. Yeah, and it's like oh, you know. Yeah, Amici's just pissed off that he's going to lose the bet for their usual amount. Yes. You know, which which isn't specified at this point. Yeah, right. So and they go to the Christmas party. They go to the Christmas party and the Christmas party is is very inter. It's pretty much the the central like focus of it a lot of stuff happens it's i don't know if there's a lot to explain for yeah. it but a lot of stuff happens but essentially at the christmas party dan Aykroyd, drunk and dressed like a like a, like a santa, santa is in there just stealing food and like he's like shoving an entire salmon, salmon. <laughs> like down side of salmon down his down his shirt like chunks of prime he's cutting off chunks of prime rib and by the way what kind of weird ass I, maybe things were different then i've been to some fairly well off like office parties and like and 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 catered events who leaves a huge knife out with a bunch of drunk people yeah, like for, to cut their own prime rib like yeah. there's no like like they didn't have carving stations in the yeah. early 80s it's but it's it's yeah it's absolutely ridiculous but he's yeah he's but he's and he's got a gun as well we love yeah and he looks real messed up yeah well, when he's at the pawn shop, he he's buys at, the he gun. He buys the gun. Oh, that's right. He buys the he gun. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Gun. He's like, yeah. yeah, how much for the gun? That's yeah. right. He basically trades his watch for a gun. I forgot to say that. Yeah. So he's got the gun. He's he's drunk. He's disheveled. He's dressed like Santa. And Eddie Murphy has been doing, like, last-minute work. Like, and, and, and Eddie Murphy the discovers payroll. a check. Yeah, the payroll. And he realizes there's a check for Clarence Beeks. And they're like, oh, he like, and they, they do the whole thing of, oh, we've, we've got this. Don't worry about yeah. it. It's from before your time. Go enjoy the party. Go enjoy the party. And but 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 and then Eddie Murphy ends up going to the bathroom. Yes. Is this before? No. 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 This is but no. No. I'm sorry. First, yes. Dan Aykroyd goes like crazy and like it like it confronts him. You know. Oh yeah, we forgot. There is a scene like before the Dan Aykroyd is looking through the window at Eddie Murphy like uh, with a table full of people uh, of these rich people around him. Literally, where he would have been them, sitting. Where he would have been sitting. Right. You know, and they're like. And he realizes that Eddie Murphy has taken his job. He knows that this is the guy that's basically yeah. like. And Eddie Murphy is charming them all by being really frank and yeah. really like you Funny know like and, yeah. yeah like but anyway yeah but anyway so at this point he's like. He's like, like he breaks into Eddie Murphy's office and tries to plant a whole bunch of drugs yeah, in his, like in, in his in his drawer. And then, like the police, like they, like Eddie Murphy calls for security. You know, when he comes in, he's like, "What are you doing here?" And security comes in, and is like, "What are you doing here, Lewis?" Yeah. And like, and like the, and the, the Dukes are there. there, yeah. And they're like, "It's obvious you're trying to frame this man. You, yeah. you look at what you're doing. You know, like you, and, you know, and." You know, and they kind of, and the Duke brothers kind of give each other a knowing look there, and then and basically Ackroyd runs off with a gun in his hand, pointing it at everyone, and like leaves the party, like he runs through the party with a gun. Everyone freaks out. He grabs a lot of booze. Grab, and, grabs yeah. a bottle of booze and runs out the door. Yeah. 
And uh, and Eddie Murphy ends up like that was like oh well that was a weird weird and crazy thing mm-hmm. you know and Eddie, Eddie Murphy realize like Eddie Murphy realizes it's the guy who accused him of stealing right. you know and everything so he starts and, to clean up all of the drugs and he's throwing them away and, and that's, that, that's a great moment, a moment. And, yeah and he, it, like he's like dumping all the pills in the trash and then he sees a rolled up joint and he goes. Yoink and pockets that, that. Pocket. and then so Eddie Murphy goes to smoke a joint in the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> and he's uh, he's in the stall, and then the Bellamy brothers come in, so he's hiding, and he's like, and there's a great moment where he like swallow, like he has to kind of like like put the joint out in his mouth, it's he's awful. like, <laughs> you know, like to try and like, and get he's rid- like squatting on the toilet, so and he's he squatting on the toilet feet. so he can't see his feet, and the Bellamy brothers are like, well, I told you, you know, blah blah blah, you know, like, and this is where we learn about the way the wager, yeah, the wager, and it's like they're like, well, you know, like it's like we see, we, we were right, he's like. You know, like Winthrop, like we've got to work to get Winthrop back now. You know, and everything like that. And it's like, or do we want to just keep? Yeah, you know, like do you want to just keep? Uh, you know, to keep Valentine. Well, uh, Don Amici's mad. And Don Amici's like, mad. He's like, he's like, like, I don't want Winthrop back after Winthrop what he did. Back after yeah. what he did. Yeah. And it's like, well, we. we what do you want to keep Valentine like, on? And you have a hard in. Yeah. Working on our working for our company. Yeah, you know, running our company. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want that, you know, and, and, and Bellamy says, well, I don't either. And that's when you learn, oh, he's also racist. He's just nicer about it. Yes. And, and so after. He probably would have voted the, for Obama. After, after the announcement, after the announcement, yes. you know, after the crop figures are announced, you know, that's when we'll, 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 we'll get rid of him too. Yes. And, and you see Eddie Murphy just sitting there going, oh, great. Like and he, then you learn what they wagered about what They wagered it was the usual amount. Here's your dollar. Yeah. You know, they so they so they've ruined someone's life and they're about to and they're going about to re, about to about to re-ruin Eddie Murphy's life over a dollar bet. Yep. And so Eddie Murphy's like, "Oh my god." And he runs out and he finds uh he runs out to try and find um Lewis. Lewis and like he sees Lewis like staggering drunk around. And and as I put it, apparently um because he gets super drunk and he starts like grunting and it's very bizarre and then he just stands in front of a bus and Apparently Santa's ride free. Yeah, because he just Philadelphia gets all the yeah. I didn't know that. Like, yeah, there's a Santa rule. You know, like, well, I mean, in, in California they run toll booths, like in Cobra. You know, so you know, like, Santas have a surprising amount of power in the local economies yeah, of various of, uh, cities of, in the country, specifically in Philadelphia. So, yeah, um, um, so, but yeah. so, like, Eddie Murphy ends up like chasing him, and he, he, he grabs the wrong Santa first. Yeah, uh, like because they all like a bunch of drunk Santas, they all look alike, um, and he ends up basically. Like, showing up at Jamie Lou Curtis's ha- uh, apartment, and she goes and because Lewis has run in and he's gone to the bathroom, and she's and, like, and we, miss, and we missed that she's obviously starting to develop feelings for him. Yeah, like she, she's a a basically well, basically she ends up taking her clothes off and getting in bed with him at one point. Well, and, he's sick. Yeah, when he's sick, he has like a oh yeah, fever oh yeah, he has a terrible and, fever during just, that. And, and, but she's like, you can tell nothing actually happens between. Nothing actually them. happens, but it was a, a it was a great excuse to get Jamie Lee Curtis topless. Well, and she also which, she turns fa- away one of her congratulations movie. She know? turns away. One one of her Johns as well because she's taking care of him. And right. You can just tell that like she actually is developing feelings for him. So right. she's, she's, she's she's hiding it behind. Oh, you're an investment. Right. But, like, she's um she's care. uh she's decorating the tree when he comes in and she's like when you get out of the bathroom we'll do whatever it is that she said and at the same time that he runs to the bathroom. Eddie Murphy shows up at her door right. and she re- she recognizes him as the guy that has basically yeah. ruined his life. And, oh, and he'd already shown up and he is shit-faced, yeah. basically. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Lewis, is. Lewis is. And so she goes to knock on the bathroom door and he's like, I have to talk to Lewis. I gotta, you know, I gotta f- figure this out. And they go and open the door and you realize that he's just downed an entire thing of, of pills. Yeah. So he's trying to kill himself. Yes. And, yeah, and, and then, but he wakes up in his own bed. In his own? Like, in, in his, like, bra- with in, in his brownstone. With Daniel Elliott in his brownstone. Like, 
And um, and he thinks it's all been a dream. And and then all of a sudden you see like there's a great moment because Eddie Murphy shows up and then he instantly leaps out, out of the springs bed. out of bed and throttles him. <laughs> you know, it's it's a beautiful moment. Um, but this is whenever okay. Oh, by the way, I want to point out that Jamie Lee Curtis uses the absolute worst kind of tinsel. Yes. Is, oh my God, those individual strands of tinsel. Yes. No, you need the garland strands that are yes. easy to remove. Yes. My God, that stuff is. It gets we, everywhere. Yeah, it gets. We did that one year, and it was like never again. It's, it's cheap, honey. It, it's it's so bad though. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. It's cheap. Never again. Oh, it's I even so... know that as a Jew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I, I want to come up with a new new expression. You're a Christmas Jew. I'm a Christmas Jew. I like because that. Because your, your family did your family did like celebrate Christmas, sort of. We did. Like I said, again, it's like a cargo cult version of Christmas where it yeah. has all the trappings of Christmas without actually being a Christmas. Right. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, but it did it, it celebrate. Um, so, but like, it, and it turns out like Eddie Murphy explains like, no, no, listen, they're like, he's like, eh, they're, they're, they're trying to get us the, 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 the Duke, Duke Brothers. Brothers. Frame you, yeah. you know, and like, you know, and it, it like, and it turns, so then now we get, we move into the third act, which is where suddenly it goes from being like a, a you know, a Prince and the Pauper style comedy to a heist yes. sort of, of sorts, it's sort of a heist. Because yeah. what, what they learn, what they've learned is, um, and what the other thing he overheard, Eddie Murphy overheard, Always about Beaks. was that Clarence Beeks has basically, they've hired him to get his hands on the agricultural report a day early. Yep. So that they can... Go to the go to this go to the exchange, have their agent in the exchange. Basically, they're they're going to send the information, whether it's good or bad. Like they're going to know what to do. They're like if it's the if, 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 like they're going to they're going to try and either corner they're going to try to corner the market or either that or divest. Like yeah. they're, basically, they're going to they're they're going to do whatever it takes with this false information right to make all the money to make all the money. Which, by the way, I learned. Uh, just just before we started the podcast, when I was trying to research th- this because I don't really understand these things very well, and I wanted to make sure I was clear on it, I learned that apparently this was not technically well. What they did was illegal because they stole, like they were stealing documents. But having the but using the inside information itself was not technically illegal. Well, the illegal part they did at the time was stealing the documents. It wasn't until later they passed what is actually known informally as the Eddie Murphy rule. Because what Eddie, what Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd did was not illegal. Because they they got their hands on documents without actually like Paying bribing yeah. someone to, to steal them. Right. You know, they just knew they they, they learned information upon the information. Right. Yes. But what they did was technically insider trading. But in the commodities market, apparently there wasn't quite a rule about it. The same way there isn't like the stock market. I'm guessing. Probably because. Because it's a, it's still a speculation. Yeah. Even though the report might come out saying good or bad, right? You never know, like right. the weather can change. And maybe, maybe. But now, but now what they're yeah. now what they did is definitely illegal. Yes. But before it was like a, it was kind of a gray area. I think it was, it, I think it was immoral. Immoral, but, but, but not, not, but not but technically not illegal. illegal. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like so, the rest of the movie turns into a, like they've got to find a way to, basically, they're going to steal the information. That the Bell, that the Duke brothers have already stolen, switch it with false information, you know, and then and then return and then and so that the Duke brothers basically like will fail to you know like have the right they'll have the wrong the, information they'll, they'll act on the wrong they'll information the, uh, uh, so uh, that that so th- this involves a, a an elaborate scheme to separate Beaks. From his briefcase before he meets with the Duke brothers before he meets with the Duke brothers and it's. Oh, and and by the way, at at, at some point in that in that, uh, just so I get it out of my head, out of my head, Denim Elliott offers the magnog. Oh yeah. And I never knew I had a life goal hmm. of being offered eggnog by Denim Elliott. Oh my god. Who I'm, I I'm not even, even sure if Denim Elliott's still alive. Can He's we probably have a not. Here because <laughs> but, we all 
all know that I hate eggnog, and I think it's right. one of the snottiest, grossest. Ah, uh, Denim Elliott died a long time the ago. The only thing worse. Oh my god, he died in 1992. The only thing worse. <laughs> that's terrible. The he only died thing, not that long after Last Crusade. The only thing worse than than uh, eggnog in my head, as far as like the the feel and the taste. Eggnog of it, is a saint. Sh- the only thing in my world, the only thing worse than eggnog, which is like a snotty, gross, thick, creamy, delicious, gross, nasty thing delicious, that you creamy. swallow in your mouth thing. I do like to swallow uh, it in my mouth. <laughs> second only to, uh, well, not that, but um, second only to. Oh my God, I wish you could see this. <laughs> I've got fairly beady eyes, but I think they just grew to the size of saucers for a split second. Second only to uh, papaya. Oh, you know ew, papaya's gross. Papaya no. is the most nauseating snot papaya's, vomit. Well, here's why it I'm at... It is snot vomit. Can we have a moment? <laughs> My problem with papaya is that it looks vaguely like a mango. It looks like it should taste delicious. And a mangoes, mangoes are delicious They're and papayas delicious. are ass. Absolute ass. So, but my point is that even no matter how much papaya they have, my feeling about eggnog, which you know we know that I have tried eggnog almost every year, and every year I reaffirmed it is the most disgusting thing. More eggnog for me. <laughs> I would handily and happily chug down an eggnog. Denim Elliot's eggnog. Denim uh, Elliot. Denim Elliot's old fashioned eggnog. <laughs> if he offered it to me, I would in take it. In the style of a flip, a oh 19th gosh. century alcoholic beverage that love includes it. an egg. All for Denim <laughs> Elliot because I love it. Did you know it. that the eggnog is eggnogs yes. are part of a greater family of drinks that went out of popular that were popular in the 19th century but uh, whose popularity waned by the 20th, but the eggnog survived. I did know that. They're called flips. I did know that, actually. You know why I knew that? Because I think the flip is going to come back in a big way. All you need is a hot iron bar to dunk in your drink. Oh, my God. So, uh, yes. So, he offers them uh, eggnog. But now you know that it is Eddie Murphy, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Denholm Elliott are all in, involved in this. Now. They are. And they're, they're, yeah, basically, They've the, all, the scam uh, is they're, they're, they're going to go on, the, the, they're on this train from Philadelphia to New York, I believe. <coughs> they have to. Um, that Beeks is get, getting on a train, and and that's he, they have to get to him first. They have to get to Beeks, and it involves them dressing. It, it's a big <laughs> Christmas party like atmosphere. Everyone's in costumes on this train, right. including because uh, uh, it's New Year's Eve. Including a, a fairly young Jim Belushi. Yep. Uh, one, this is one of his earlier roles um, <laughs> as a, an asshole in a gorilla suit. A, a drunk Chicago guy in a gorilla. Like, I assume he's supposed to be a Chicago guy. I mean, yeah. it's it's Jim Belushi. You know, he's doing his Jim Belushi thing where he's a big, dumb, drunk guy. You know, uh, so uh, Jim Belushi's a, a guy in a gorilla suit. There's all these people in costumes. So it's one of those, like, you know, it's one of those cars, like, you know, the, the sleeper cars. Although I guess they weren't really sleeper cars so much as a car with a bunch of chairs in it. Yeah. You know, like, Gleason's alone in the room, and then he is joined by first, I believe it's first Denim Elliott. Dressed uh, as a priest. Dressed as a priest. And then Jamie Lee Curtis comes in. No, 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 I'm sorry. No, maybe she was next, where she was Inga. Yes. Where she was Swedish, but she was wearing an Austrian outfit. Yes. And he's and Gleason's like, why? No, I'm Swedish. And she does a terrible. Denim Elliott does a passable Irish accent. Possibly he might actually be Irish. Yeah. I do not know. But um, but Denim Elliott says, oh, so you must be from Austria. She's like, no, Inga from Sweden. And he's like, and he's, like he's like, but you're wearing later hoodie. You're wearing a dirndl. Yes. <laughs> A Durable, yeah, not a Lederhosen. No, he says Lederhosen. Does he say Lederhosen? Yes, he does. She, she's not really in Lederhosen. That's what he says. Yeah, because Lederhosen is pants. But that's what he says. Leather pants. Okay, but that's what he says. Okay, maybe he says Lederhosen, but yeah, she's wearing a Durable. Right. Um, so anyhow, so, and so he's like, okay. And then uh, she's like, help me with my bag. And um, 
So she like makes the, she and she puts her up. basically she, she she puts her breasts in Paul Gleason's face and slides her bag, which is is she the one that has the bag that looks just like no? His it or? happens later. She does this twice. So yeah. The reason she does it twice so that he doesn't get suspicious. Right. So she sets him up the first time to help put her bag up. Right. So that um so that she can do that and then and then while that's going on in walks Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy in basically he's coming to America. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's basically playing his broad African guy. Yeah. Thing, which I guess if Eddie Murphy does it, it gets to not be racist. Yeah. But if, my God, we'll, 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 we'll lead into it. But it's very broad. You know, oh, I'm African. You know, and he's acting very, like, like excited about American culture and yeah. everything. And uh, he, that's, I think Eddie Murphy's where the distraction comes in. And that's when they switch the briefcases. Right. And, and, then, and, then, and then Eddie Murphy leaves with the briefcase. Um, and, and switches and, it out. And takes it, and takes it to... Uh, to, to the bathroom, to the bathroom where, where Dan Aykroyd takes right. it, takes it so he can get the information out of right. it. But then they have to get it back and switch it back. So they like more distraction, more stuff going on with. And then, Eason. and that's when Dan Aykroyd comes in, and oh, we. The most. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Movie. I don't know if we need to spend a lot of time we talking about this because there's don't. not much to no. say about it other than it's Dan Aykroyd in blackface oh, playing god. a Jamaican. Oh god. And it's bad. And they do this thing where Eddie Murphy. I mean, I mean, part of the comedy is that it's so over the top and fake and bad. Yeah. So, like, I get that that's part of it, but it is still really problematic. Like, it's and the whole idea is that he's like he's pulling C. Thomas Howell. Oh, it's so bad. And I mean, and then hey, Irene. He's like, oh, we're friends from the exchange. We're friends from the exchange, man. You know, and it's like this bad Jamaican accent. It's not good at all. No, it's terrible. It's so obnoxious. (laughs) And so, but anyway. As he's there, they're doing this like distraction thing, and then they switch them back. So they do make the switch. But the Paul Gleason realizes he doesn't realize about the briefcases, but he does realize that that the new guy that has come in is Winthrop because and he's he, seen him. He's like takes his he tears yeah. his mask. He points. A, he pulls a gun out and points yeah. a mask. You know, and, and he's, he's like, 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 like that's Winthrop, it. We're, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Let's go. And they and oh, and we forgot to mention there's this whole thing with uh, you know like and it's weird because this is something that feels like straight out of a '60s movie prop. Yes, is there's an actual gorilla. Being transferred. Being transferred, although it's a Hollywood gorilla if you've yeah. ever seen one. Yeah. It's it's got it's got a Muppeteer working working the costume itself, although yeah. it's clearly a human being in the suit because yeah. you can see real human eyes in it. But it's a, like a blue-eyed gorilla, weirdly enough. Yeah. Like it's you'd think they'd at least because gorillas have brown eyes. I wonder you'd if that's why least... Frank Oz was. <laughs> he didn't actually. He didn't actually joke. perform it that. It was a joke. No. So but, anyway, uh, but yeah. So they. So I there's... think Frank Oz might have also been in some way connected with perhaps Blues Brothers and some capacity i'm not really sure um so but, anyway, so um, this gorilla is being transported and in the process of transporting they have to put and, they, and, they, and that's when we have uh some of dan Aykroyd's old snl pals show up um frank tom 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 davis yes, and then. his uh his partner uh, uh disgraced senator al franken, franken yeah. um we won't go into that no that's um, it i mean that's, but, they um, basically just play the handlers and they're and they're basically playing dumb this is actually a role a kind of role that franken played a lot when he was younger uh which is dumb cross-eyed guy yeah i mean even later whenever he went back to snl and did Stuart smalley he did yeah. his dumb cross eye. yeah you know like and you know there are these dumb drunk guys on the train and they like at one point they go off to join the party and say oh we're dressed as baggage handlers yeah you know and so they they're they're just like they're basically like watching the gorilla and at one point they offer him a banana and he ends up taking all the bananas that they're eating oh now what do we eat you know let's go to the bar so anyway they so they they take him like gleason goes in and they uh, end up in the luggage area in the luggage area pointing a gun and and um that's when jim belushi jim belushi shows up like hey guys what's going on let's play drink up buddy it's new year's and uh you know and uh he's dressed like a gorilla and he's dressed like 
a gorilla, and the gorilla looks really interested. And Paul Gleason makes a threat, and the gorilla basically reaches from the cage and bonks Paul Gleason unconscious. And that's which and, is fortuitous. And then I don't know. I guess they knock. I guess they knock out, or did or did or did Gleason knock Belushi out? No, no. What happens is then they just. We I guess they knock Belushi out because no, Belushi's, Belushi's fine. Oh no, Belushi's fine. No, no. They, they basically not, talk him into letting like, them yeah, take like, the so, suit. I'm a, I'm a guy in his underwear now. Yeah, I guess yeah, you know. They just talk him into it. I mean, they probably, to me. If I know those guys, they probably gave him like 50 bucks and are like, here, shut up about yeah, this. Yeah, 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 gave yeah. him some booze or something. Yeah, something. You know, so, so, they, they, so now he's a different kind of party So what animal. they've done is they've, um, they've they, duct taped uh, uh, Paul Gleason's uh, mouth, mouth shut, shut. and, and they, like, they've kind of got him in, like, strapped in this gorilla suit yeah. and they drop and they put him in the cage with the other gorilla. Yep. Um, and, then, and then, so they've now swapped all the information They've got, they've got, they've got down there. Now they're ready for the end game. Right. And the end game is that they are going to the exchange. And this is. Yeah. This is going to require a a little bit of explanation. I had to look it up. And the plan essentially is they're starting with, they have the, the correct information is that the crop is not going to be affected. But they've given the Duke brothers the information that like basically the crop is, the price is going to be very high because of the the bad winter weather has Affected affected it. the crop, so yeah. it's going to be uh, the price of, of orange juice sh- should be going up. However, this is not the case, and so but we don't even know. We don't even know that. We just know that. Yeah, but that, like, yeah, they know that they've given them bad information. Right. And the plan essentially is at this point they're now going to drive up the price of the orange juice futures. You know, like everyone knows now they're watching the Dukes buy it up. Everyone's like, oh my god, they're trying to corner the market. So the Duke, the, you know, like so everyone else is trying to buy, and you know, and they're sitting pat. Uh, and what they've done is not they they meaning uh, uh, Billy, uh, Billy Ray, Ray and, and Lewis. But what they and what Billy Ray and Lewis have done is they've taken uh, because technically they're you know um, the money that they're using is actually Denholm Elliott's and uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's because they don't they, have their own money right, right now. and they and they've already uh, what they've done basically yeah oh you know what they haven't bought anything yet I'm sorry they they I just realized they never bought anything what yeah. they do. They sit, they, they sit and wait, and as the price is getting driven up and up and up, at, like, at, a, at the right point, basically what's happened, the price has been driven up uh, very high. All of a sudden, Lewis yells, sell 30 April at 142! And what that essentially means, and I had to look this up, is essentially they are, they are at that point agreeing when the, when the markets actually comes to fruition and the crops are done. That they are going to sell thirty contracts worth of orange juice at a dollar forty-two a pound. Right. A contract is apparently a tremendous amount of orange juice, by the way. So that's a lot of yeah. like they're going to sell at that price. Everyone else is like, oh, okay. So everyone else is like racing to buy, like, oh God, yes, yes, that's a great price. We're going to make so much money at that price, you know, and higher than that price because it's going up and going up and going up. And then they stop and wait because that's because when that's the when they, the yeah. ag- the agricultural report comes out. At that point, everyone goes, "Oh shit, that's a, yeah. that's that is way, way, way too much." You know, like you know, like that is way too like but that. It's not going to go up. The price is not going to go up. So the market bottom falls out of the market. Everyone's trying to sell now. Nobody wants it, right. but it's too late. Like like so so and and the Duke brothers have bought a tremendous amount. Yeah, you know. So at that point, uh, like they. Now they just wait as the price goes down and down and down. And the price goes from $1.42 a pound all the way down to 29 cents a pound. And at that point, they then start buying up everyone's stuff because, you know, at a super low price. 
so then they can sell it later at $1.42 a pound. And, you know, because everyone else is trying to get the hell out of it because they're like, oh my God, it's crashed. We're never yeah. going to be able to do this. You know, and the Duke brothers are trying to sell to them too and they're ignoring the Duke brothers seller. So the Duke brothers are stuck with a tremendous amount of orange juice futures that they cannot unload except, you know, at a high price. Right. You know, that they've agreed to buy. Meanwhile, Billy Ray and Lewis, they've bought up as much as they could at this incredibly low price, uh, 29 cents, that they're going to sell at $1.42. And so at the end of the day, and they didn't even have, I realize now they never had the futures in the first place until, until the price dropped so low that they could then drop all of the money from, uh, from, from, uh, from Coleman and, uh, and uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character, whose name I've completely forgotten. I can't forgotten. remember what it is. I've completely forgotten her name, and I feel really bad because she's kind of a major character. Uh, she is Ophelia. Ophelia, right. Well, yeah, because they do a Hamlet thing. That's right. Yes. And, and uh, so basically, that is, the, that is how they're going to make, they make their fortune. Now, at this point, the Duke brothers are in contract for all of this orange juice that they cannot possibly sell for that much. And they have to settle up the contract and at they the have end to of the day. And you have to settle contract at the end of the day. Now, they've bought their futures with the money they had, so they paid for theirs. Now, they, now the Duke brothers owe all this money that they can't possibly afford to pay. You know, they're going to be wiped out. And like, they, and they, like, they literally like can't crazy, even... crazy, like 300 and something million. Yeah, they, 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 they can't liquidate that money at the end of the day to pay for it. So they are basically drummed out of the exchange and wiped out. Yeah. And, and it, in the meantime, Randolph is freaking the hell out and he starts having a heart attack or an anxiety attack. Yeah, I can't really tell. Yeah. And they're like, your brother, Mortimer, your brother, he's like, and Mortimer's yelling at them like, no, you... We fuck him, I don't care. Fuck him, yeah. I don't care. It's like hysterical. And, like, and, and essentially what ends up happening is what, like they see that it's uh, Billy Ray and... And, and Lewis, and they're like, what have you done? It's like, oh, we had a bet that we yeah. could wipe you out and become rich in the process. Yeah. We, I won. Yeah. Here's your dollar. Yeah. You know, like, you know, so it's they throw it in their face. Like, and, and basically the movie then cuts to the, you know, to a tropical island where, you know, Billy Ray is laying in the sun with a beautiful woman next to him, drinking an uh, drinking umbrella drink of some sort, relaxing. And you see him yell out over the ocean, looking good, Billy Ray. <laughs> looking good, Lewis. Like, looking, no. Who yells which? Am I backwards? Uh, yes. Yeah, Lewis Dan Aykroyd yells. Is on a yacht. And on a yacht, he goes with looking, Ophelia. With Ophelia, he says, looking good, Billy Ray. Mm-hmm. Billy Ray says, feeling good, good Lewis. Lewis. And then we have and our... Coleman's there, and too. Coleman's and, there, and he's wealthy. And he has and a butler as he well. He has a butler. Yeah, it's like, you it's know, a and great moment. And they've all, they've all won and have their day in the sun. Yeah. And we forgot to mention that Johnny from Airplane is in this, which made Allie very happy. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, also, and he basically plays Johnny from Airplane because that actor, apparently, that was... Like, he was... Bar- I've heard accounts uh, from, I think, from the special edition of Airplane that the actor who played Johnny was basically like Johnny all the time, and the, which and is the, kind of amazing. And as, as Mortimer is, like, freaking out and as Randolph is, like, dying, basically, in his heart attack they're like where the hell is beaks where is beaks and we and learned that find oh out. i forgot yeah i forgot yeah there, there's we, we we kind of glossed over the whole gorilla rape section yeah because basically that there's a whole scene where the, the gorilla in the cage assumes that beaks is a female and starts to mate with him and they're basically beats beaks is being shipped back off to uh to the jungle with that gorilla that's being set free and that is that is how that all ends um and I guess we are at the point where we can now ask our questions. And I guess I'll ask you first. Sure. Allie, was this worth revisiting? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love this movie. This movie makes me laugh. And I find it, um, I don't know, I, I do find it a delight now. I will honestly say, as we've talked through this, like just like every 80s movie, there's very few of them that are out there that do not have problematic moments. And this one has plenty of them. It's not as terrible as others. Like, 
you know, I, I think Revenge of the Nerds has some worse. I think moments. Revenge of the Nerds is a lot more amoral and monstrous. Yes, than this one. exactly. Um, but I definitely think there are some problematic moments in this movie that I wish were not there. Um, that wouldn't hurt the movie to delete them from the, right. the thing. You could figure out all the other things and make them work to some degree, or have come up with a better a better disguise. Right. Yeah. The ba- the baseline of this movie is not an immoral mess. Right. You know, whereas I think Revenge of the Nerds has a bad premise. Agreed. <laughs> so, Sparky like, it, it will never, Sparky. you know, um, Sparky showed up. Jesus. So, um, oh my God, oh my for God. reals, Weird, for reals, like, I'm just trying we to. really, like, we made it so far yeah. into this without, without so, you being trouble. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I love this movie and I think it's funny and I think it's fun. I think it's, you know, it, it keeps going and it's enjoyable and there's some real laugh out loud moments, which I think is great. And I do like that it makes me. <laughs> that I have to look up the the information almost every time because I I feel like I understand it, but then I'm like, wait, wait. So what did they do, and how did they make their money, and how did they wipe them out? Like I have to go through it. I, and I like that. Like that's kind of fun to right. to figure out. So um, what about you? Was it uh, worth revisiting? Yeah, I, I I think it was. And uh, but but again, I, there is it is it is one of those like you definitely have to take it with a grain of salt. Like yes. it is. It is, you know, like it is like almost, yeah, like it's it's hard with almost any, especially 80s comedies. It's very hard to find one that doesn't have some problematic areas in it. Yeah. This one, yeah, this one in particular, there's there's moments of, you know, you've got moments of racism, moments of sexism, moments of homophobia. You know, you've got, you know, like trigger warning rape stuff. You've got, like it's, it's, it's de- blackface, blackface. Blackface is the worst part. I think that's the you most know, offensive. Um, you know, like it, 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 it is. It is definitely like you could never make this the way it was, no. but you could. In I feel like this could be remade. Yeah. In a way that doesn't detract from the original. Right. I mean, you could still include the racism and things as, as because most of the ba- most of the racism in this movie, but unfortunately not not all the sexism and homophobia. Right. But most of the racism in this movie is by characters that are presented... Actually, all of the racism is by characters that are presented... Well, minus the blackface again. Yes. Like, all the characters acting racist are presented as bad people. Right. They are the bad guys. So. Like, so it's like... It's 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 not as bad about that. But then, like... like But then, yeah, there is a, there's a lot of... A lot of jokes that could just be, like... They, you don't need them. They don't, they don't hold up. But, like, again, like... Eddie Murphy is in his prime. He is super charismatic in it. He's very funny when he's not being homophobic. Yes. You know, Dan Aykroyd's very funny when he's not in blackface. <laughs> you know, like everyone's very good. It's a good cast. It's a well done movie. It's, you know, you know, it, it's ultimately got, a, you know, like it's got an ultimately positive message that, you know, like assholes who screw people over will can't, you know, will end up suffering. Right. But it is definitely a movie that like, just I can't, walk into it I with, can't yeah. recommend it to someone who hasn't seen it without the caveat of yes. there are parts that will make you cringe if you have any sort of like sensitivity to any any real issue at all. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. And, yeah. You know, like so it, but but again, overall it is a recommend in that it is a very funny movie that, you know, but it's like like most 80s comedies and most old comedies in general. Yeah. It doesn't 100% hold up because even like comedy changes over the years anyway. Yeah. But most of the core of it is still funny. Yeah, I would agree. You know, it's still a good movie, you know, and it's definitely not the it's definitely not the worst 80s comedy oh, that we've no. watched. Heck you no. know, in, in morality, not like it's obviously, you know, like the worst comedy we watched was Caveman <laughs> or Revenge of the Nerds, yeah. <laughs> you know. 
And I guess um, we are, we, we've done our questions. Uh, so I guess you're asking, hey, where can we find you? I'm like, well, dummy, you're listening to us right now. <laughs> you probably found us either at our website, matchmadeinspace.com, or you found us by searching Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatchers you got. Yeah. Um, if you if you want to like uh, rate, rate and review us, that would be super cool. Super I mean, cool. We, again, I've said it before, we're kind of egomaniacs. It's good to hear. It's good to hear we're entertained. You know, word of mouth, help share share the podcast, uh, you know, share us, share us with people. Yeah, by all means, retweet um, us or, or I usually try to post it on Facebook. And, you know, so if you follow me there, you can always. Uh, nobody uses Facebook. Come on. I use Facebook. I'm just kidding. Um, so you can always, you know, uh, catch the, the link from there. But um, yeah, or follow or you can definitely always catch, uh, you know, we try to launch every two weeks and you can catch it. You can catch us on Twitter at MMIS podcast. Right. You can find Allie on Twitter at ALI underscore Goodman. You can find. Me on Twitter at Hitler Puncher. You can't find Sparky on Twitter because he's too old to understand how to use it, you cranky little thing. He kind of needs and opposable thumbs that he doesn't have. Right he also now needs either. a bat. Uh, again. Um, and I, you know, if you want to find us via email, like if anyone still uses email for any reason, we are <laughs> at matchmadeinspace at gmail. Uh, dot com. I, I will and, say that um, uh, uh, we aren't on Tumblr no. or Instagram or Vero or Mastodon or Friendster, Friendster. or uh, you might be able to torrent us on MySpace anymore. Uh, no, uh, um, we don't I, have a SoundCloud account, which actually is uh, something that podcasts sometimes do. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I was going to say that um, I thought it was a, a delight, those of you who are following us on on uh, on on uh, the Twitter and uh, uh, how it got resurged. Our they live uh, conversation about the the fight. Was you mean kinda... a delight the way that eighty percent of people agree with me? Sure, sure, honey. <laughs> I was Kevin, right. You were wrong. Kevin Murphy agrees with me, so it's all good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. So so Tom Servo may agree with you, mm-hmm. but I uh, like I, I, again. Uh, novelist Jonathan Lethem agrees with me. Ape Lad also agrees with me, and he's, he does the lolcats, and I like those. So laugh out loud cats. He yes. doesn't do lolcats. Um, I don't know if he still does laugh out loud cats. I haven't I seen those in a long time. Uh, but you know, he's a great cartoonist. He's a great cartoonist. He, he, he's wrong too, but it's okay. He's he's, he's still a good guy. Sparky uh, agrees with me, and we know Sparky. Sparky's, Sparky's a piece of crap. He's the worst. <laughs> Sparky's got all the things. Anyway, we really do appreciate those kinds of uh, conversations. They're really fun. Um, it allows me to bicker with John more, which is always my favorite thing to do, um, and win. Uh, so, um, uh, by all means, like you know, anything that we've said that maybe you're like. Whoa, or I totally agree or I absolutely hated that by all means tweet us about that because we we are we are fans of the conversation uh, after the fact um, and again because we're egomaniacs uh, but other than that um, I'm a I, Lego maniac thank you very much all right so uh, this has been uh, match made in space signing off adios adios